All right, so I've been pretty pumped up about this uh, series that we're in called Fishers of Men. You guys enjoy last week? You know, and, and one of the things that I, I pointed out is I'm not a fisherman, and I gave you some stories of stuff I went through, and uh, I know Bruce had a lot of grace for me, you know, but he helped me, and I was able to catch a kingfish, which was pretty awesome, my first time experience, and we're going back out there again. Uh, but I've been so pumped up about this Fishers of Men, and the reason why is because last December, um, it just really dropped in my heart. You know, typically I'll have a message ready, uh, but I've never had uh, a, a series drop into my heart. And so this was one of the first time, now we've done series, you know, because it was, it's many messages put together. But for the first time, God had told me, we're going we're gonna to have to dive in and, and look at what a, it takes to be a fisher of men. And so I, the other day, actually yesterday, Ingrid Walker, she sent me this picture, and I thought this was pretty cool. It's a comic, okay? I don't know if you guys remember the Holland Sentinel back in the day, but check this out. Read that. If not, if you can't see it, I'll read it for you. It says, Here's your order, sir. A thousand business cards saying Simon the fisherman. And that's Simon and obviously someone that's making the cards. This is later that day. Here comes Jesus. Simon, from now on, you shall be known as Peter. <laughs> Look at his face. I think that is hilarious. I thought that was <laughs> a thousand business cards. And then your name has changed. <laughs> I, I just thought that comic was was funny, and I thought it was just for the appropriate time, and the fact that we're talking about fishers of men. But let's recap a little bit about last week, and last week when we started it, uh, the part one, we looked at Jesus' life, okay, from beginning on earth, coming through the virgin birth, all the way to when he started calling his disciples. And as you can see uh, through the journey that Jesus uh, went through, you can look in the book of Matthew, all the gospels, you can see the journey of Jesus walking and growing to the point where he gets water baptized, goes into the wilderness, comes out, uh, gets pretty much, hears some news about, his, about John the Baptist, but continues his ministry because he understands that there is a kingdom to still advance. But goes all the way to the Sea of Galilee to go ahead and call his first disciples. And this is where it leads up to our anchor scripture. And go figure, you know, anchor thrown into the water you know, we're in Fishers of Men. I think it's just a good tie to it. It's more like a passage, by the way. But we're still in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. And again, we see Jesus walking to the Sea of Galilee, and it says this. And Jesus, walking by, by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, okay, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Everyone say casting. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Pause for a second. So we see these two brothers, and you can see that their occupation, what they do for a living is they're fishermen. And they're, they're, they're casting their nets for the day. Continuing on. Then he said to them, Jesus, follow me, and I will make you. Now everyone say, make you. Make you fishers of men. Remember, make you is the key element that we need in this series, okay? They immediately left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. In other translations, it'll say, making ready their nets, okay? And Jesus called, he called them, probably said the same thing, follow me, for I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately, the Bible says, they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
And then we look at the whole thing when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. He pretty much was saying is, I will make you complete, and I will equip you with all you need for this world so you, be, you can reach out to people around you. You know, and when you look at, when you think about casting or mending or getting nets ready, picture the disciples for a second. They're preparing probably to make some money, to make a living. And what ends up happening is Jesus interrupts them for a second, all right, and says, hey, drop what you're doing. In other words, prioritize all that you do and put me first and follow me. And they did. And because of it, he brought them to an eternal aspect. He showed them what eternity is about. Not only is you going to find joy, the result of, of fish, because by the way, when I caught that kingfish, man, I, it was an amazing day for me. It was awesome. I, I just conquered this thing. You know, my wife, fillet, or Bruce filleted it, my wife cooked it, and it was in my belly within the hour. But that brought me joy for the day, probably just for the meal, <laughs> if you think about it. But when Jesus says, hey, you follow me, let me bring you joy for eternity. And when you cast a reel, or when you cast your nets, and you pursue people, watch eternal joy happen. You thought a kingfish was exciting? Check this out. All of heaven, all of angels will rejoice because of one sinner repenting, is what the Bible says. And so when we have that thought in our head, we should have the excitement of, man, I am on this earth for a reason. The result is eternal joy. Everyone say eternal joy. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for an opportunity to just get into your word, Father. Lord, I just want to step aside from my thoughts, my opinions, my ideas, Father God, and solely look at the heart of your word, your scripture, Father God. Lord, the words that come out of my mouth, Father, may it penetrate our hearts and our souls, minister to us in a hundred different ways, Father. Show us what needs to be done in our life, Father God. We love you, Lord. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children say Amen and amen. And so let's continue on with this message. See, the purpose, again, of this series is to capture the purpose of why I'm walking on earth. To capture it. Who's ever taken pictures before? I mean, everyone's hands probably should be going up by now, right? We've all taken a picture, okay? And the reason why we take, care, take that picture is because we want to capture the moment. The other day, he'll get mad at me later in life, but right now he's only one my son, Jeremiah, but the other day, I was taking him a bath, and he did this little flip thing, and his butt's in the air. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm a dad, you know, and what do I do? Hold the phone out and click. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> He'll find out later, <laughs> and I text it to my wife, and my wife's like, oh, that is the cutest butt ever, you know, that whole deal, the whole mom thing, right, but we captured a moment, and we will always remember that. And the reason why I did it with my son is because I did it with my two daughters and my other son. So all of them, we got their butts. Okay, I'm just saying it that way. <laughs> yes, we're in church. <laughs> it's a moment we wanted to capture and cherish. As mom and dad, we cherish that moment. We want to capture these moments. And God wants you to capture why you're walking on this earth. He says, you have a purpose. Capture that. Remember that. Because when, he, when we capture that, he understands that he's captured that. And he understands that, hey, you're needed here on earth. So the purpose of this series is to capture the purpose of why we're walking on earth. Okay? When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, when you say yes to him as my Lord and Savior and come into my life, you have become a part of Christ's body. 
okay? You are a part of his body. He is the head. We are the body. We are now joined together. We are one with the body of Christ and our heavenly father. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says this, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. It didn't say some. It said each one of you is a part of it, which means you are a valuable player in God's plan. You are valued. Now, if you have a thought that what am I here for or no one really loves me or all this, let me tell you something. God says, I made you and I want you and you are needed. You are a valuable player. You are MVP in my book, okay? That's what he's saying to you. If you have those contemplating thoughts or you're feeling this, don't put your head down. Look up. And watch him continue to say that you are my apple of my eye. God needs you just as much as you need God. We are the body. He is the head. He commissioned us to be hands and feet on earth. We represent him here. He represents us up there. We are one. Okay? Understand that the body of Christ depends on each member doing its work. In other words, if I I can say it differently, operate in the gifting that God gave you. For instance, one of the things I absolutely love doing is just ministering. Like, it's just one thing I do is I I can talk to someone, I can show them scripture, and and Bible just comes in my head, and I'm like, yeah, Ephesians says this, or yeah, 1 Peter says this. My wife operates by telling stories. If you sit with her, I mean, a lot, I know a lot of the ladies here, they probably were, uh, had conversation with my wife, and most likely she was telling you a story about experience. And after the end of the story, what happens? Oh, my goodness, that was good. I needed to hear that because she was operating in her gift. What is your gifting? God's given it to you already. Is it telling stories? Is it handshakes? Is it hugs? Is it just being a listening ear? What is it? Because God says if you operate in that, you are being a part of the kingdom of God. You're a most valuable player. Understand, you are needed just as much as we need him. And if we are idled, if we are uh, neutral, if we're in a neutral position, we go nowhere. We go nowhere. And God said, put that baby in drive, let the rubber hit the road, and let's do this kingdom stuff. Okay? Not just to, to shake earth, but to shake the kingdom of hell. Let's go ahead and prevail the kingdom of God. You are valuable. You are needed. We were all, each, each of us were made with a particular purpose as well, too. He's given you something unique and gifted. There are people I can't reach that you can. There is. There are people that you are encountered, they're in your arena, they're in your life that I could never reach. And, and if I ever met them, probably wouldn't even have the ability to, to teach them something. But you can. But you can. Because God's given you all of that. That's why it is so important, and hear me clearly, guys. That's why it is so important that we grow from followers of Jesus to disciples of Jesus. Because we can advance his kingdom. Not just saying yes and I will follow, but becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now the word disciple in the Greek is, uh, I'm not, I don't want to butcher it, but it's methetes. Methetes is how you say it, okay? And that's Greek, uh, that's disciple in Greek. But when you translate methetes to the English language again, literally it means a learner. A learner. So when you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to be a learner of Jesus Christ. The reason why the 12 went from followers to disciples 
is because they became students of Jesus. They wanted to learn from Jesus. Now, understand that Jesus called them to follow, but it was their decision to become a student and say, I will continue to follow, but I, now I want to learn what Christ has for me. John 14, 25, Jesus says this, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. In other words, he's saying, I am teaching you. I am teaching. He told disciples, I am teaching you now while I'm with you. Because he understood, I'm going to be gone for a while. And you're going to have to remember these teachings I gave you. Verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. Everyone say the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, and I love this part, and will remind you of everything I have told you. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of what Jesus taught us here on earth. Jesus himself told the disciples that. And so these disciples became, not only became followers, but they turned into these students. They are learners. They wanted to learn everything that the Messiah was doing when he was walking on earth. They've had conversations with him. They probably were next to him during the nighttime. They saw him praying in the middle of the night. They saw him uh, um, secluded alone with the Father. They're learning. They're taking these things down. They want to be just like him. They're disciples. Understand, church, the main point of this whole thing today is to, be, to understand to become fishers of men means we need to stay close to Christ. That's it right there. To become fishers of men, we need to learn to stay close to Christ. Not a high and by relationship with Jesus, okay, but a, a relationship that's like a marriage. For instance, my wife and I, we're not a high and by relationship, okay? I don't, I don't say I'll see you next weekend or, or no, no, that does not happen. That would not be good. I'm just saying that right now, okay? It's not good. But everything we do, we are in unity and we're in tune. Every time, maybe I've had a conversation with you and you would ask me a question and I wouldn't give you a direct answer right now. I'm like, most likely yes, but I gotta, I'm gonna connect with my wife first. And we would come up with a decision together. Couldn't do it or yes, let's do this because we're not a high and by relationship. Jesus Christ wants the same relationship with you. He says, don't make this a high and by, and I see the next problem that comes up. I want you, I want you all the time. When things look good, I want you now. That, he, he's saying, we are joint. We are married. I am your head. You are my body. We need each other. And we need to understand that. But when we treat it as a high and by, then we question, God, where are you? The reality is, no, you just lack of knowledge. You didn't allow the head to feed you. You didn't allow the head. By the way, I got this image. For us to eat and nourish our bodies, it comes from the head. We put the food in our mouth, right? I mean, that's just what I picture right now. For us to be nourished spiritually, it comes from the head, spiritually speaking. For us to grow in faith, for us to, 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 to walk and understand and remember, okay? Everyone say remember that I am victorious in this life. It requires to have a marriage, a covenant, a commitment with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Again, to become fishers of men, we need to stay close to Christ. John 1 shows us that Jesus is God. The first chapter of John. John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And check this next one out. And the Word was God. Okay? Well, Jesse, it didn't say Jesus. Let's go to verse 14, because I'm not going to read the whole passage. I want to get straight to the point. 
Verse 14, and the word became flesh. Okay, if you don't know what flesh is, look at your body right now. This is flesh. Some of us need to be fresh, but this is flesh. Okay? Understand that. He, this says the word became flesh. We just read that the word was, was God, but the word, God, became flesh. Jesus Christ coming through the virgin birth. It says, and dwelt among us, all the people. Jesus Christ. And we beheld his glory, and the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Does that sound familiar? For Christ, or for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into this world. Okay? He says, the glory as the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We look at it this way, guys. When we simply believe that Jesus is the word, okay, when we simply believe, and then we, and then we choose to follow his word, okay? We choose to follow and stay committed and not make it a high-by thing, but saying, I am committed to you. We now have the ability and all the strength and everything we need to stay close with him the rest of our days. Every minute, every hour, every single day of our lives. We have that activated in our life, but it requires us to commit to him and stay close to him. And from there, we become disciples. We become students and learners of Jesus Christ. For instance, for me to graduate from elementary to junior high school, and from junior high to high school, and from high school to college, it required me to, to stay, to become and stay as a student. The reason why I was able to get a diploma in high school okay, was because I chose to stay as a student. Now, there was a choice for me to drop out, okay? I had that choice, but I chose to say, no, I want to be a student, and because of it, I was able to graduate to the next level, from elementary to middle to middle to high school, from high school to college, okay? The reason why I bring that up is because it's the same way with our Heavenly Father, okay? The moment we are able to say yes to God. We have that same opportunity of growing and graduating in this life. The 12 became disciples because they stayed close to Jesus. They stayed close to the word of God. And the result of the disciples, they were growing. They were growing. Now, remember the anchor scripture we read earlier about Peter? And then remember, remember the image of Peter? You know, he was Simon at first, then became Peter. That guy right there, did you know he denied Jesus three times? While he was walking on earth with him, while he was going to the cross, he denied him. People accused him of knowing Jesus when he was getting crucified, but he was so scared. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times. And Jesus says, you're going to do that. He didn't believe that. He said, I will never. I will die with you, Jesus. I will die with you. See, Jesus even knew that he was going to deny him. And so the time comes, he denies him. Okay? The rooster crows, he denies them. Fast forward now, okay? We're now the resurrection, Jesus has ascended, and the same disciple, the same guy that denied Jesus was the same guy that stood before 3,000 and started proclaiming the name of Jesus, okay? And yeah, at the moment, he was now in power with the Holy Spirit, but what I'm saying is this, he grew. He grew because he was a disciple. He was a learner of Jesus Christ. First Peter 
chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, it says this, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Okay? Now check this out. That you may grow thereby. There's a purpose for his word. That you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When we stayed close to Christ, when we say, I now want to be a learner of Jesus Christ, I want to not just be his follower, but his disciple and choose to follow him for the rest of my days and dive into his word, three transformations happen to you in your life. Three of them. And they are the way you think would transform, the way you talk would transform, and the way you live will transform. The way you think, the way you talk, and the way you live. You know, it's so easy just to indicate where we're at. Just listen to your words. Look at the fruit in your life. Am I really glorifying my father? Am I really being the husband I need to be, the father I need to be, the friend? I need to be the brother, the son. I need to be the daughter I need to be, the wife. He says, when you come with me and you follow my, when you listen to my teachings, when you follow what I have for you and you receive the gift I have for you of grace and truth, but then learn, he's like, thinking, talking, and living will be transformed in your life. Not by your own strength, but by the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. The way you think is the first one. One, our thinking, changing, our thinking changes for the, good of when, for the good when we meditate on God's word. Understand that meditation has been misinterpreted over the years. I mean, I remember, and I might have shared this before, but I remember when uh, my pastor at the time uh, <laughs> said, you need to meditate on his word. And I was thinking, oh, man, I got to, like, do this alms type of thing. And you, I know I'm not joking. I mean, you can laugh at it, but, it, like, I really was kind of, in a sense, not doing all of that snare, but I was kind of by myself and just like, all right, here I go, you know, and just diving into this thing blindfolded. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time until later on I learned what true meditation was. It's just pondering on his word, allowing what's on the pages of your word, put it in your thoughts and let it sink into your hearts. Let it take root. You need to meditate on his word. Meditation of his word brings so much healing to your life, to your soul, to your thoughts, to wherever you're at. When you meditate on his word, not just simply read and then go on with life, but meditate and ponder on what it really means. How can I apply this in my life, God? What can I do and to, to just continue to have that transformation in my life? Meditation will help the way we think. Peter, the same disciple, Peter was able to walk on water because of the word. Think about it for a second. Jesus said, come out here. When Peter called him out, and Peter said, come, Jesus said, come, come, come off, off the boat, let's do the impossible. And because of the word of Jesus, Peter was doing the impossible, okay? He was relying on the word. The water didn't hold him up, by the way. It was the words of Jesus that held him up. And his faith was solely in that, and therefore he was doing the impossible, okay? But the moment he veered off the word, took his eyes off of it, what happens? He starts sinking because it was now under his own understanding. And so when we encounter the word, when we crack that baby open, by the way, it looks pretty on a nightstand, but open the Bible up. Start reading. 
You know, I've, I've met people that sleep with the Bible and think they're good. No. Open the Bible. Start reading that baby. Put it in here. Drop it in here. I'm just saying. <laughs> I've had some crazy conversations, okay, of, well, you know, we're good. No, you're not good. Crack that baby open. Because if you were good, we wouldn't be talking about this. <laughs> so I, in church, I encourage you, crack that baby open. Read that word. Let it marinate in you. Let that just sink inside and take root in your heart. And when trials come or when glorious days come, you know exactly what to say and you know exactly what to do. You know, I've had uh, plenty of conversations where they say, you know, I just don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, they'll say this to me. I don't know all the answers. I've had many conversations of that with a lot of people. And I will look at them and say, I don't know the answers either. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the answers to all this life, but I, don't, I do know who the answer is. And who can teach you through these circumstances? Church, you have everything you need in his word. You have everything you need by his power of the Holy Spirit as well. The way we think will be transformed when we continue to stay close to Christ. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture, everyone say capture, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Putting the word in your mind gives you the strength and the ability to capture every thought you have. You ever feel like you can't do it or why am I going to, or why am I even thinking about this? Scripture just told us you have the ability now, the power in Jesus Christ to capture every thought. Think about it for a second. Cat, when, you, when a thought comes up, and you just, I like to lasso it. Is that what it's called, lasso, where you just tie it up and throw it in the sea of forgetfulness and never come back again? Because I want to continue to keep God's thoughts in my, in my life. And he says, do this on a daily basis. He says, renew your mind daily. Get in my word daily. When you meditate on God's word, your mind, your thoughts, your thinking starts transforming. The second one is, is the way we talk. It's a big one. I'll be honest with you. Okay, but in Colossians chapter four, verse six, it says this, let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I'll say that again, okay? Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone, everybody. So that person that you might be thinking like, man, I can't even talk to them right now. He says, you will have the right response for them. You will know exactly what to say. Staying close to the word leads to self-controlled conversations. Can I be brutally honest with you? I love being real with you guys, by the way. I struggled in that area for years of just having some good conversations because I just get upset. up like, why? Why? Like, you know, and it's just, that's just how I was. Okay, and I could say was, okay, but there was one person in my life that taught me how to have self-control in my conversations. This is my wife, and she hates this when I bring her up, but my wife is my helper, according to Genesis, and she teaches me. So husbands, I charge you, listen to your wives. They teach us, okay, because back in Tulsa days, when we lived over there, back when we were in Bible school, we also worked. The four children, um, we worked, and she worked in a department called Partner Services, so in other words, if you saw, say, a, a message on TV and they said, you know, you could contribute or if you want this book or if you want this message and you will call that number, guess who you got? Mari. That's who you got. She would answer the phones 
and she will partner up with you and figure out ways, you know, just to continue the ministry and help God's kingdom. But let me be honest with you. There was a lot of conversations she had that were not pleasant, that were downright mean, mean, to be honest with you guys, you know. And not one time, not one time did my wife complain about it. Because we would stay in communication with each other. We would talk, hey, how was your day? And, you know, she would give me the details. I would just tell her I'm good, you know. And she would give me all the details of everything. But when she would tell me those conversations, first thing I would say, well, did you tell them anything back? You know, did you say this back to them? Why would they do that? What's his name? Like, you know, and they would, I'm just being honest with you guys. That was was, okay. That was me was a long time ago. And she would always tell me this. Why? Why do I need to come back at them? She's all like, what, how would, I love this. How would that help the situation, Jesse? How would that help him? It doesn't, okay? You know, and it's kind of like, you just don't know what to say. You don't know what to say. And then I ran into Proverbs, and it says, a soft-spoken word would diffuse an argument. And that's when I saw the revelation. And a light shined on my wife. No, I'm just playing. None of that happened. But it was it was awesome, and even till this day, she continues to teach me that, and it took years to get me to where I'm at because of her patience, because of her understanding. She simply just stood close to the word of God. That was it, and she was teaching me stuff. She was teaching me. Husbands, listen to your wives. They got some good stuff. The way we talk will help us when we are close to Christ, when we stay close to Christ. And it would also help us become that fisher of men and reach those around us because we're going to have some conversations that are not going to always be the pleasant, but you're going to have the words and it's going to be attracted to them and they're going to want more of your talk because of Christ. And this, the last one is the way we live. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, that the old life is gone and a new life has begun, okay? The moment you come to Christ, the moment you say yes to Jesus, he says the old one is gone, the new one is here. That means you have every ability to say that is not me anymore. The excuse of that's how I grew up is no longer there. It's not activated anymore. It's been diffused, by the way, okay? Or that's just how I am. Or that I'm just going to be like this the rest of my life. Those talks, they're gone the moment you come to God. It's been diffused by Jesus. There's so many times we just think, well, this is just how I am, and that's how my culture is, and this is what we do. And my dad taught me this way. And Jesus is saying, that's all over with. It is all done. Because your lifestyle is now going to be what Christ says and how he is because of what he's given you. He's diffused all of this stuff and reconnected you and God. And he says, mission on. You know, it's heartbreaking to hear. It, it really is heartbreaking to hear a lot of the church, people that genuinely love Jesus, not understand this part. That they have, and they are brand new. You know, we come, we come to Christ and we think we're still enslaved in the same way. Life's the way it's supposed to be, and I'm just stuck in it, and I'm just here to survive it. Head above water. That's all I can do, and I'm, and I'm good with that. And I want to remind you guys, no, you're here to conquer this life. He called you more than conquerors. He says, take heart for Christ has overcome the world. You can walk all over this life. You don't have to be head, head above water, but you can be full body walking on water. 
says, you are brand new. I think the perfect example is the Apostle Paul, which, by the way, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. See, Paul, when he writes, he's the one that wrote this, by the way, that, that you are brand new, that the old is gone and the new has begun. He's the one that wrote that. But if you look in the earlier chapters, you'll see the way Paul lived, according to Acts chapter 9, was not a perfect life for Christ. Actually, his name was Saul before he was Paul. So when he had that transformation between Saul and Paul, there was something brand new that happened, and it was because Jesus touched him at the moment. But when you look at Saul, same guy, but his name is Saul, his thinking was warped, his talk was bad, his lifestyle was not good. And then he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He had an encounter. Here's your assignment for the week. I won't, I won't create it, I promise. Read Acts 9. Acts chapter 9. Read the whole book, actually. But Acts 9, you would see Saul who later becomes the Apostle Paul. And let me tell you something. He persecuted and killed Christians, people that followed Jesus. His talk of murdering people and threatening was always there. And his lifestyle of actually doing it was all there. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, why, Paul, are you, or why, Saul, are you doing this? He's like, do you not realize when you persecute them, you're persecuting me? Do you not know that? And that's when he came to him for the first time. And an identity in him was changed. And I know there's much more meaning to it, but the point is this. When you encounter Jesus, there is a transformation in your life of your identity. You are not the way you used to be anymore. I don't care if you were in the gang life. I don't care if you were smoking marijuana or if you were doing some drugs. I don't care if you were an alcoholic. You are not that anymore. You're not that because of what he's given you. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example of that. And because of Jesus in Paul's life or Saul's life, his thinking of persecuting Christians became love your neighbor. All right, love your neighbor, love people around you. His talk of threatening Jesus' disciples and just taking them out has become teaching them to become disciples. And his life of murdering, okay, prisoning people, putting him in chains, leaving him for dead. His lifestyle has transformed into a life of glorifying Christ, glorifying him and his holy name. Jesus wants you. Paul says, I am the worst of the worst. And Jesus got a hold of me. I don't know where you're at, guys. I really don't. But he does. He knows exactly where you're at. I challenge you, church, how's your thinking? How's your speech? How's your lifestyle? Because if it's not lined up according to his word, guess what? There is a hope and a future for you. In Revelations, I don't have this up there, but in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and I I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Church, today Jesus is knocking at your door. He says, if you heard me, which I know all of you guys just heard him, and you don't have him, he says, but if you let me in, I will eat with you and you with me. 
In other words, he's saying, we will fellowship and we will be together forever. Nothing can separate that if you allow Jesus in your life. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head. Lord, I thank you that your word brings transformation, life-giving to every point of our lives, Father. Lord, as we continue to speak out your truth, Father, as we continue to live your ways, Father God, let us realize right now that our ways don't work, that we keep hitting dead ends. But it's time, Father, to come to you, Jesus. Church, this is an invitation to you. Look, you've heard songs, we're all God's children of this world, but reality is, no, we're not. We're all, God, we all God's creation. You become a child the moment you say yes to Jesus. And he wants you to be a child. He's, his desire is you so you can continue to multiply yourself as, as disciples. He says, I want you to be a fishers of men, but first come to me. Drop what you're doing, and I want you to immediately follow me so we can go from there. So wherever you're at, church, here's an invitation to you. We just heard Revelations 3.20, Jesus himself saying, I knock, you answer, I come in, we fellowship forever. We also look in the book of Romans 10.9. He says, if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will be saved. When you imagine Jesus at Calvary on the cross, hanging after being brutally whipped to the point of almost death, okay, and he's hanging, and he's probably unrecognizable. He's probably naked. Nailed. Hands and feet nailed. Thorns that are penetrated. See, movies don't even justify what he went through. Imagine these piercing uh, thorns that are just penetrating, not just the skin that gives him a scrape, but it's penetrated the skull. Some of it's touching the brain, the human brain. So you can have peace. Imagine a Savior. Imagine Jesus doing that and saying, I love you. I'm doing this for you. And then he says, come to my heart as I come to yours. You see, when he's at the cross, that's half the story. Three days later, he rises again and still pursues his people. So on any of those uh, of scriptures I gave you, if you feel a stirring in your heart with all eyes closed on the count of three and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to shoot your hand up. One, I need Jesus. Two, I want Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This invitation is for you. Watch a life starts transforming the moment you say yes to him. The world will always be the world. Problems will always be problems, but your heart will be changed forever. Anybody else on that invitation? I need Jesus. Church, we're going to do this as a family. We had, a, we had some people raise their hand. I want everyone to put your hand over your heart. And if you raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, but did it, it's still not too late. Mean this with all your heart. Mean this with all your heart and let God touch you where you're at in that chair today. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. I'm sorry for all the wrong I've committed. Forgive me. I believe in the name of Jesus. I know he's alive today. And I ask you, Jesus, make a home in my heart. I heard your knock. I heard your voice. 
I'm inviting you in. Lead me the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Guide my life. Guide my speech. Guide my thinking. Thank you for your word and for your love. In Jesus' name.